Because of the Times, episode 10. I sat down in a Davis Bay cafe for a conversation with Mother Joyce, the Reverend at St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church in Gibsons. With noticeable excitement, Joyce shares the circumstances of her journey to becoming a vicar in a small BC town, her take on the current social topics and much more. Please tune in to Conversation because of the times. Um, welcome, Joyce. Thank you, I'm Milan. sitting here today with, uh, you got to say your last name, actually. It's Joyce Perrymore. Joyce Perrymore. Actually, I keep trying to remember that. Okay, so Joyce Perrymore. Yeah. You're a vicar at the Anglican Church, St. Yeah. Bartholomew's Church in Gibsons. Yes. And you also have another role in the Diocese of West, Westminster, New Westminster. Correct. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I'll I, let you introduce yourself. Okay. So people, my name is always an issue because, you know, I guess partially because I'm a woman and people like panic. Um, so if you write me a letter, I'm the Reverend Dr. Joyce Perry Moore. That's, That's right. my official yeah. title. When I'm at the church, because I'm a priest, um, the Anglican Church is Anglo-Catholic. So um, as a former Catholic, I can tell you we have all the same sacraments, mm -hmm. and I'm a keeper of those sacraments. Okay. So I'm a priest. Mm -hmm. So um, people say, well, what do we call you? And I said, well, what did you call your last priest in this school, Father Joe or whatever? Well, I'm Mother Joyce. That's right. Um, and my nickname is Mojo, in case people get all tense and sore about mm -hmm. the mother part. Um, it's interesting that now that more, there are more women who are ordained, people start to go, well, we shouldn't use <laughs> mother and father. I'm like, okay, that's fine. For me, when I was born, it wasn't possible for me to be ordained as a priest, as a woman. Yeah. And I'm aware of all these. There's a movie actually going out right now in the United States called The uh, Philadelphia Eleven yep. about these first women that, that fought really hard. So I can stand where I stand. So when I'm called Mother Joyce, I'm remembering all those women that made it possible for me to use that moniker. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, my first thought when I was uh, going to bed last night, I was like, how am I going to start a conversation with Joyce? <laughs> And then so my thought that occurred to me was that there's some of, some sort of hierarchy in church, yeah. right? In Anglican church too. Yeah. And it seems like vicar is somewhere up the ladder of the hierarchy or it's just a title? No, it's just, so um, I like to think about it. I was just talking because my other role is as climate minister mm -hmm. and we were reading this book called uh, Finding the Mother Tree. Have mm -hmm. you read this book? No. And it talks about the rhizomal connections between trees in a forest. Mm -hmm. And I, my bishop in um, the Episcopal Church was uh, very keen on this idea of us being connected like rhizomes rather than in a pyramid. Mm -hmm. Although, frankly, we're still in a pyramid because he's a guy saying it. But anyway, yeah. um, so the Anglican Church does have a hierarchy. We don't have a pope, right? right? The Roman Catholic Church has a pope, but we do have bishops. When I lived in the United States, the word episcopal, episcope means bishops or house mm -hmm. of bishops. Mm -hmm. Here in Canada, we have a lot of archdeacons, which I haven't had before. Um, you can kind of, you can't swing a cat without hitting an archdeacon in the diocese. Is it like an equivalent of archbishop or? I guess, sort of. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of like a canon, which is another weird word. We have like just so many weird words mm -hmm. that I wish we could get rid of. Mm -hmm. um, in the United States, we call them canons. And a canon is a rule or a law, um, but they, they help keep things together. Right. Um, so it's uh, bishops are kind of at the high, high of the, the hierarchy, although they wouldn't say that, right? They don't like to say that. But I think it's important to know what your authority is because that's the first step to not abusing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a vicar versus a rector. So a rector, so you got to think in terms of parishes. So parishes are really communities. Yeah. And the parish really traditionally extended beyond the walls of the church, right? The parish includes the whole broader community. And, you know, it's like all those, you know, British television shows where there's a, a priest in the, in the village, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like that. <clears throat> a vicar is usually part-time and in a smaller church. Okay. So it's really, I think it's cuter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it sounds better than a rector. Yeah. But um, uh, it's, it's not a matter of whether I have more power, um, oh, okay. really. Um, it sounds serious. 
What does? The vicar as vicar. a title. I think vicar's cute. Is it? Did you yeah. ever see a show called The Vicar of Ghibli? No. Oh, I commend that to you and okay. all of your listeners. Okay. It starred John French, and it was this comic show in England when women first began being ordained in the Anglican Church. And she shows up. Her name is, you know, their name is Jerry, and it's going to be their new vicar. It turns out to be a woman, and everyone's just like, oh, my gosh. But she's very funny and, you know, gets some all kinds of shenanigans. And so I'm working on my screenplay is going to be the Vicar of Gibsons. Okay. And in my screenplay, we're going to have comedy and murder because lots of these shows now in British TV will be like, because people will say, Mother Joyce, what do you do all week is, rather than just write your sermon? Right. And I say to them, I say, I go down to the pub and I solve crimes with the local constable. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Because that's like what they do on hustle. TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sure. would be fun. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I didn't know what to expect. It's interesting because like we haven't met before. Yeah, I find those conversations always quite peculiar in a way because yeah. you know there is no like backstory or anything. So it's kind yeah. of like a fresh start, and yeah. we dive into certain conversations right away. Mm -hmm. My question for you would be: Do you find yourself to be a spiritual leader? Yes. Um, I was thinking about this because there's that term people like to say I'm spiritual and not religious, mm -hmm. right? And so I always like to say I'm spiritual and religious. Okay. So religion and spirituality are kind of a Venn diagram, mm -hmm. right? So my spirituality, um, that's my prayer life and how I talk to people I just meet and how I feel like we connect with each other in what I perceive to be a spirit. Mm -hmm. Um, for me in my theology, I don't think about God as like this old man in the sky, like Monty Python with a beard. Yeah. My, I am a, what's called a process theologian. And so I believe that God exists in the connections between all things and all people. That God is in between us mm -hmm. and within us. That that's God. Okay. Um, it goes beyond gender. It goes beyond everything. And yet it's also very intimate. And so that's spirituality. Mm -hmm. And your spirituality, what I could ask you about yours as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What is your spirituality? For, spirituality for me is more like, um, I mean, it, I guess it's similar to what you just described. Mm -hmm. I don't give it a name. You know, people mm -hmm. say creator or God or uh, let's call it like a divine force or divine power mm -hmm. that uh, is present inside us. Yeah. Right? So it's something that we have access to if you only turn to it something that we can suppress if we choose to, you know, and then something that definitely helps us to navigate through the more rational way of perceiving the world. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's I, kind of how I understand it. I hear that. Yeah. I do. Um, mm. I also like the idea that it's between us, right? So there's something that's not just me or just you. There's something in between us okay. that is spirit right. that enables us to connect even though we've just met. Mm -hmm. um, and that's between us and those people over there if we wanted to access it, okay. right? or us and the ocean. So how does it fit in the, in the, in the, in the biblical understanding of you know, the Son of God, God, and the Holy Spirit? So then I'll talk about religion. Yeah. So in my particular religion, we're what you would call a Trinitarian religion. Not all religions are that way. Yeah. Um, probably, you know, you may have heard some of the creeds. There's the Apostles' Creed. That mm -hmm. was the very first one. Yeah. Because Christianity, which is my tradition, began um, with a bunch of people that followed a man named Jesus from Nazareth. Yeah. And after he died, and we believe that he rose again, was resurrected, they continued to follow the things that he taught. Mm -hmm. And that was really a movement. It wasn't so much of a religion as it wasn't the Jesus movement in the Jewish tradition, yeah. really. Yeah. So that movement then began to develop. And then after about a century or two, they wanted to write stuff down and say, this is what we believe. And that was mm -hmm. the Apostles' Creed, and yeah. a lot of churches use that. My church does as well when we baptize people. We say what we believe. Yeah. And that includes God in three persons, which is super confusing because we're monotheists right we don't believe in although i am here's a word for you i'm a panentheist i'm not a pantheist i don't believe that we have all different kinds of gods everywhere but i believe that god is in everyone and mm -hmm. everything say so, that again panentheist pantheist panentheist okay. um a lot of womanist um, eco-feminist theologians mm -hmm. think that way yeah 
Um, so we believe God is um, present as an, an overwhelming and over all-encompassing force for good and creativity and creation um, and order. And then we also believe in uh, Jesus, the Christ, who is another manifestation of that goodness. And then also in the Holy Spirit, um, the words, the word in Hebrew for that is ruach, mm-hmm. which I really like. It's the same word that means breath or wind, mm. ruach. It's a feminine word, which is where <laughs> I get to throw a couple of feminine pronouns out there. People mm. sometimes get tense about that, but, yeah. but the idea that ruach is the spirit that is all around us and within us is the breath of God that blew over the uh, waters of creation. Mm-hmm. And that is there to comfort and to agitate. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes the spirit agitates you. Goes, oh, you need to get that thing done or speak to that person now. So there's that. And I like to think of the Trinity as a. Uh, there's so many metaphors for it. I don't go for like you know water, ice, and steam type thing. More, more like a relationship or yeah. a dance. Yeah. Uh, so different faces like that. And that works for me because my theology has to do with that relationship, right? Mm-hmm. With the space in between. Yeah. So I am, I keep that tradition as a priest and that's my religion. Yeah. I started as a um, Methodist when I was a kid. My parents raised me sort of United Methodist. Actually, my dad was more of like a moralist than he was a religious guy. And then later in my life, I was really interested in the the beginnings of the church, right? Um, And so I became Catholic and was really interested in sacraments and history. And then when I realized after a while that there really wasn't a place for me to fully participate as a woman or for my, I had, I was a singer for many years, a classical singer. Many of my friends are same gender loving or transgendered mm-hmm. and two spirit people yeah. and they didn't have a place in that tradition and so I had to leave it and I explored okay. lots of different places. That's really interesting. Okay, and that's what brought you to Anglican Church? Eventually it did. I explored for a while. I um, was really interested. I was interested in understanding Hinduism a yeah. bit chanting this idea of bowing to God within each person. Yeah. Um, Buddhism still brings me some comfort. And I think that Buddhist writers like Pema Chodra and Sharon Salzberg, they write really well about compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, I came back to Christianity because Jesus is my guru, is how mm-hmm. I said it. Mm-hmm. So I came back to that. When I moved to Alaska, I went to my first Episcopal church, which is Anglican, and that's a whole other thing. But I saw a woman priest for the first time, and I was just blown away. Blown away, yeah, yeah. And I just wept. You know, that feeling you have when you feel like, I belong, I belong mm-hmm. here. Right. And I never left. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, what I like about that religion, that religious tradition is it is old we've made lots of mistakes colonialism among them right huge mistake we need to apologize for a lot more mm-hmm. and we've kept the sacraments so communion holy communion or eucharist every sunday yeah. um, baptism is a sacrament um, there's reconciliation which is the word for confession although i don't get to use those cool booths like stephen colbert used to that's what i grew up with i think those all really Maybe you don't think they're so cool, but um, I think they're kind of fun, funny. We just do reconciliation like this, just sitting and talking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, also uh, anointing of the sick, mm-hmm. uh, laying on of hands. Um, is there confirmation? Like, yes. Yeah. Okay. There's wow. a whole story about that. This is going to have to be two different. <laughs> <laughs> two different episodes. Confirmation yeah, yeah. just kind mm-hmm. of became a thing because. In the very earliest church, when it started to grow, it got a little too big for its britches. Mm-hmm. And so they would, they started to baptize children because the infant mortality rate was so high. Mm-hmm. So they would baptize babies because they didn't want them to, they didn't know what happened. Right. So they yeah. baptized the baby, mm-hmm. but then the bishop had to come and like seal the deal. Okay. So that's what confirmation was. Okay. Yeah. So then it began to develop its own theology. People sometimes say it's like a bar mitzvah. It's nothing like a bar mitzvah. 
okay. bar mitzvahs are super fun. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. confirmation is... It's quite a big deal in Poland, in the Catholic Church. Yeah. It, it's kind of like a bar mitzvah. No, it's big, but yeah. there is a celebration to it. For sure. yeah. yeah, but you don't have to recite Torah or you don't have to recite scripture or anything no, like that. I didn't go for confirmation myself. My you sister didn't. did and I was at hers, but I... I can't remember very well right. what it was. And you weren't like. allowed to have communion until you did that, right? No. You had communion before that. Yeah, you had to. Okay. Be, we have the the sacrament of first communion. Yes. When you, it's like when you're seven years old. Okay. And then after that, you can have communion. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how it was. We. Um, that's been an interesting topic in the uh, Anglican Church for a little while, to celebrate open table. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you come, Milan, to my church you can receive communion mm -hmm. there's no questions asked okay i would be great if i would control the holy spirit yeah. but i don't right so it's none of my business it's mm -hmm. between you and god so i my table is open okay to everyone okay um and then even if you're not baptized you might be so moved by that experience that you would choose to become baptized mm -hmm. how does it look from the like um not legal but what's the other words for that the rule canonical. canonical yeah laws say if i was baptized in a catholic church does my baptism stand in a yes church? and i'll tell you why yeah. it's actually in a creed we believe in one baptism mm -hmm. okay. so we don't need to do it again that makes sense one and done yeah Here. i feel like if i was like committing to a, like you know christian faith yeah i would want to get baptized again yeah. Like I don't feel like my baptism as a newborn had has that much meaning. Well, that's where confirmation can be helpful mm -hmm. because, yeah. you know, infant baptism, when I do it, first I always tell the parents, I go, I tell you what I'm not doing. I'm not washing your baby off and getting any sin off mm -hmm. of them. Mm -hmm. I don't. Your baby's perfect mm -hmm. and beautiful just as they are. What we're doing is really almost more for the community and saying, hey, guess what? We've got a brand new part of our community, a new Christian. Mm. And are you going to, I always have to ask that question, will you you know, see that they grow up in faith and help take care of them? And they say, we will. Yeah. If they don't say it loud enough, I make them say, say it, it again. So <laughs> it's about um, welcoming, welcoming that yeah. baby and their family into full communion. And from that moment, they can take communion. Mm -hmm. I used to have a little toddler that would come up to, you call it a patent, the little plate, and they'd look at it like it was a plate of hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> they would just <laughs> choose which one they wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But, um, you know, children teach me so much Absolutely, about yeah. spirit. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. like the living spirits, right? Like I, was, I have three children, so oh my yeah, gosh. I, yeah, yeah. I, do, I do see that, you know, they're that is so genuine yes. and just kind of reflect everything yes. about you, right? So yeah. it's like a, always a learning process curve and to be yeah. able to like go past your own reactions and feelings about whatever yeah. they do and present is, yeah. is a huge, huge help yeah. in your own kind of development. Yeah, We're starting a new children's program. I've been there, been here since February mm -hmm. of this year. Yeah, I've read, yeah. Not quite a whole year yet, mm -hmm. but we're starting a new children's program mm -hmm. and it's based on a curriculum called Godly Play, which is a Montessori-based curriculum. Okay. And it's a curriculum of storytelling because it's Montessori, you have to have a lot of little tchotchkes, right? You have mm -hmm. things that you use. Because children learn through play. That's mm -hmm. what Maria Montessori believed. Yeah. And so you tell a story, like I have something called the Desert Box. This is a box filled with sand. Yeah. And I use that to tell stories of like the Holy Family or the earliest mm -hmm. um, Old Testament stories. And you always start out, you know, touching the sand and saying, the desert is a dangerous place. And you only go there if you really have to. Mm -hmm. And boy, you just got up right yeah, then. Yeah. And then at the end, you ask questions that are open-ended. Not like, I wonder what this could be. It's yeah. Jesus. You know, um, you say, I wonder. I wonder where you are in the story. I wonder if there's anything we could take out of this story and still have all the story that we need. Yeah. I wonder where else this could be. And then you have to be willing. And sometimes it's hard as a grown-up, right, to just accept oh, any answers yeah. and go, wow, okay, yeah, yeah, maybe it's that. I don't know. Absolutely. And it just teaches you a lot of humility. So um, we've got more and more 
children that are coming and I've got a grant from the diocese um, so that we can buy some more materials and um, set up a dedicated space for the children to have their stories. Mm, wonderful. So, yeah. How big is the Anglican community in Gibson? What's the Oh boy, that's a good question. I don't know how big the potential Anglicans are because mm -hmm. there are people that used to be religious and don't come to church anymore, mm -hmm. right? Um, so right now we have about 40 people on a Sunday. Okay. We probably have about 100, 150 people on the books. Okay. And I'll be curious to see. This will be my first Christmas here. Yeah. Oh my gosh, i got to tell you this cool yeah. thing we're doing. So we're going to do a nativity play um, at the farm. We're going to do it at um, the Heritage Farm in Gibson's yeah. on Henry Street. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I lived um, in the house uh, there uh, with uh, Robin and Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know them. them. Yeah. And um, uh, we talked a lot about this idea, so we're going to have a nativity play there in the middle of December, and it'll be on the farm, and it'll just kind of it'll be in the barn and the hayloft and the you yeah. Know, they have a great stuff. space to hold. They that. do, yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. Montessori teachers, so that's Are they, yeah? cool. Yeah, I knew they do their schooling programs there, and but I didn't know it's Montessori. Okay. That's how they were taught. So taught. they yeah, so yeah. it's experiential. Okay. So um, we're going to have a really great time telling this story about new life mm -hmm. and hope and light yeah. at a time when things may be, feel a little hopeless sometimes. Mm -hmm. yeah? Yeah. So you were saying to me earlier that you wanted to make a difference and that just really touches my heart. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I'm trying to do too. Mm -hmm. you know? Make um, a difference. Yeah. I'm curious, um, what her, the Anglican Church, was it the fact that it's is it less patriarchal is there that, that, <laughs> that's adorable you know like <laughs> or is it not like i understand it's more open-minded oh, like yeah. the previous christian speakers I'll, I'll talk to they'll they'll insist on the fact that in the bible that you know the role of a man and a woman and how it how it's supposed to be right whether you know they, they talk about uh, for example same-sex marriages whether they're approved by by this by christianity as a religion or not and I know certain churches do approve of that and yeah. certain don't, right? And with Anglican Church, you would say more open-minded in that regard? or what's so There's that? a lot in that question mm -hmm. to take apart. Yeah. So the Anglican Church, let me just talk about that in general. Yeah. So the, it's a worldwide Anglican communion around the world. Mm -hmm. The Episcopal Church is part of that worldwide Anglican communion, as is the Anglican Church of Canada. Do you know where the most Anglicans are, Milan? Africa. Africa, okay. Because of colonialism. Colonial times, okay. yeah. So there's the most Anglicans are in Africa. And Africa is, of course, a continent, and there are different countries. Some yeah. of the countries there do not ordain women, and they do not condone same gender love. Mm -hmm. um, other countries in Africa do. Mm -hmm. So um, it's interesting, too, because then you. Hmm, the United States has a special relationship with England, yeah? Because we had this little war. Of course, yeah. And mm -hmm. so we weren't able to be at first really down with the Anglicans because we're like, dude, you have a king. We're not so much into that. Mm -hmm. So we went to Scotland where there was a group called the Non-Jurors. We could just talk about this all day long, but yeah, I won't. I, and they got different bishops to ordain them, yeah. and they had their house of bishops. But now they're part of the worldwide Anglican Union. If I was a bishop, which I could be, I probably won't ever be, but if I was, I could go to this house of bishops and some of the people there wouldn't acknowledge my ordination or mm -hmm. as a bishop or mm -hmm. even as a priest. So that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, How does that land with you? Um, I really don't make peace with oppression. That's where I am at this point in my life. Right. Um, I forget who it was now. Oh, I wish I could remember the name. I can see his face. Anyway, a black theologian mm. that used to say, you know, I'll, um, I can have a discussion with you about your opinion, but if your opinion means that I'm less than, then I, I can't talk about that with mm -hmm. you, right? Yeah. And I just don't believe in making peace with people being oppressed, whether mm. it's women or LGBTQI persons. Mm -hmm. I just think that's not love. Yeah. And God is love. That's in the Bible times. Mm -hmm. You know what's interesting? Yeah. There's nowhere really 
there's nowhere in the New Testament, certainly, but, but they talk about same-gender marriage. Yeah. They don't ever say that's not okay. Well, it's Prostitution isn't okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, it is yeah. an interpretation. Yeah. Prostitution isn't okay. In the book of Deuteronomy, they, you know, it's mostly about abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. It's not about two people of the same gender that love each other and want to have a committed life together. Mm -hmm. So. I, yeah, I'm not a nobody to speak of what's the, in the Bible. <laughs> I do read bits and bobs out of curiosity yeah. and I've been exposed to it. My understanding is that the interpretation of the words, I think it's the Old Testament more so than the New Testament too, Yeah, is that say when a man lays with another man, that's right. sinful. Right. right. Yeah. And that's really more talking about prostitution than mm -hmm. it is about being married and picking out drapes together. That's mm -hmm. just really different. Okay. The other thing is that uh, there's some, so the scriptures I call the Old Testament is the Hebrew scriptures, mm -hmm. right? I, but sometimes people get their mind blown when I go, you know, there is a Jewish Bible. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you read it from the right to the left. Yeah. And, um, in that tradition, which is the tradition that Jesus of Nazareth would have grown up in, debate was part of the tradition. When I encounter a biblical literalist, right, I'll say to them, um, how many days was the flood? Mm -hmm. And I'll go, 40 oh, days. Yeah. And, really? Hmm. Because there's another version of it right in there that says something different. Right. There are two creation stories. There are three flood stories. Now, why? They went through a lot to put the book together. Why didn't they just take those out or, or um, redact it, mm -hmm. right? It's because that, that discussion and debate were part of that tradition. Right. And, and so if you want to have a literal interpretation, that's okay. But that's one interpretation. I used to do a Bible class with my church where I had, you know, like those like nose and glasses things. I just get these empty plastic glasses mm -hmm. and I would put labels on them like feminist or right. disability mm -hmm. or literal mm -hmm. or um, a source criticism or um, there's something called redaction criticism. But, you know, and you'd put on a lens and you'd go, okay, I'm going to read this now from a feminist point of view. And now I'm going to read it from an ableist point of view or a mm. disability point of view. Wow. Okay. And people go, well, what? Because we all have. You're looking at me through your lenses, and I'm looking at you through my lenses, right? 100%. Things I've learned, mm -hmm. the things I've experienced, mm -hmm. um, how I was raised, my level of privilege in my life. I'm a white, straight, cisgendered, middle-aged woman. Mm -hmm. It gives me a lot of privilege in some places. In some places, not as much because patriarchy is everywhere, my friend. Yeah. And how are your kids, boys or girls? Two boys and a girl. Two boys and a girl. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I just get excited knowing that they're going to be raised in a way that hopefully doesn't have those patriarchal lenses around them. <laughs> you know, who am I to judge? Like, I only have, only have my own perspective and what I'm doing yeah. with those conversations and talking to people and trying yeah. to broaden my own horizons. Right, and what you're doing now is trying on some different mm -hmm. lenses too, yeah. right? Yeah, so what I feel generally is I don't consider myself a patriarchal type. Mm -hmm. However, I can see the order of my family when I play a certain role, my wife plays a certain role, you know, and we those roles are, you know, you can't deny them in a sense. I don't think any anyone is more important or anything yeah. like you know like i admire everything that my wife does for the for the family and the dedication and and you know and i have my own part in it but yeah. our part's a little different that's you know and that's all right and really. that's based mostly on who you are as people mm -hmm. um so the thing about your kids i'll tell you now they mm -hmm. grow up they do yeah, yeah. i've got five children mm -hmm. and nine grandchildren yeah in a blended family yeah and my husband and i had our last ch child together she is they are now 24. Mm -hmm. and they studied women and gender studies mm -hmm. in college as well as theater yeah and i kept my mind open and i learned a lot through them mm -hmm. about how gender roles are predominantly much more than you know what your physicality is mm -hmm. but it's more about what your 
societal norms are. Right. And you can choose to push back against them mm -hmm. or not. And they differ from culture to culture. Mm -hmm. When people talk to me about biblical ideas of marriage and biblical ideas of gender, it makes me really uncomfortable because that then condones the whole thing. You can't so much cherry pick, right? You've got Abraham had, you know, two wives, you know, and one of them was a servant or a slave. Um, you know, it, things were really different. And women at that time had no, uh, very few rights. If a woman became a widow, she couldn't own any property. Mm -hmm. She had to have a son or a husband. Otherwise, she was literally begging mm -hmm. on the street. Yeah. So that's very different than a loving partnership between two equals. Time has changed. Mm -hmm. Times have changed. So what I can do is I can look in it and I can read those stories and see what lessons are trying to be taught within the context at that time. Mm -hmm. And then I can apply those lessons to my own mm -hmm. context, which mm -hmm. is different. Yeah. In the New Testament, most of them thought that Jesus was coming right back. Like he just went out to get some milk. He'll be right home, mm -hmm. you know. And it was like when my husband goes to Home Depot, it took way longer than they thought. Mm -hmm. And um, so what happens is they really didn't talk about marriage at all. They didn't want people to get married because they thought the, uh, Jesus was going to come right back and everything was going to happen. And then it didn't work out that way, right? Yeah. But then it stopped. People, they didn't include anymore. Although, you know what's interesting? Yeah. In Ethiopia, the canon of the Bible is still open. I just think that's really interesting. What does that mean exactly? The canon of the Judeo-Christian Bible predominantly is closed now. No more mm -hmm. entries, okay. right? Yeah. Um, there's the Apocrypha, you know, the... the uh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Right? You can mm -hmm. add that as the Apocrypha. Yeah. You can't yeah, yeah. add anything into the Bible. Yeah. In Ethiopia, it's still open, oh. which I think is... I don't know. So if something new show, yeah, shows up, they're like, else. okay, well, let's add it to the canon. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's a good thing. I think that's interesting mm -hmm. because, you know, uh, life continues to evolve. Mm -hmm. I look at my kids and my grandkids and mm -hmm. go, human beings are evolving. Yeah. They are. Yeah. And um, how I look at things and how I, what I'm able to do is different than with my mother or my grandmother. The yeah. way they saw things and the language they had to describe things and the rights that they had to uh, be actors in their own lives mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so i take that really seriously as the movement of the holy spirit yeah. that human beings are evolving hopefully right you seem pretty clear about the idea of the you know the the, the separation of the idea of gender and the sex right and how the, the social construct of a gender is a is an actual you know real thing yeah right you also said that you may choose to push back against it, right? Um, I would, it's not like I want to argue, but I, it okay. seems to me that, yeah, it seems to me that the ideas about the whole gender um, ideology right now, gender let's call roles, it, yeah, yeah, it's being pushed on the society too, you know, like. We can we can look at it from like two different angles. Somebody who's being exposed to it, and then either they find it uncomfortable or scary or something, and they push back against it. Something that's they don't subscribe to, right? Or there's people who do subscribe to, and then push it on the other people, right? You know, like. So I want to just ask you a question to clarify. Mm -hmm. So do you mean sexual orientation? Or gender like gender like how people identify okay yeah so um, part of what what advances as human beings is understanding things scientifically mm -hmm. right? so where I went to school where I went to seminary um, was in Berkeley California and I went to a school sometimes they called us the heretics on the hill mm -hmm. but um, we had a Center for gay lesbian studies there lots of theologians who were gay and lesbian and trans I graduated with five trans persons mm -hmm. and that's the first time for me personally I got to know anybody who is trans when was that 2000 and I graduated in 2010 I was ordained okay. in 2010 yeah. mm -hmm. 
And it was a little scary to me. It was something I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. And we tend to, as human beings, be very hesitant and afraid sometimes of things we don't understand. Frankly, Jesus of Nazareth said a lot of things that people didn't understand. Jesus was one of the first feminists, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, there was a eunuch in mm -hmm. the Gospels that mm -hmm. was baptized. Um, so these things have always existed. It's just a matter of whether we talk about them and how well we understand them. When I was at school, I took a class on um, orientation because sexual orientation and gender are different things, yeah. right? Which, anyway, that's the whole thing. But mm -hmm. um, I came to understand more about what creates gender, like even physically speaking, right? You, a baby is sometimes born with two sets of equipment, mm -hmm. right? And then they just will arbitrarily sometimes decide yeah. at that point. What I mean, they are. how often does that happen? Really? Oh, it's mm. very more frequent than you would think. Maybe. But so, and then the other mm -hmm. thing that's true is that when you form in the womb, mm -hmm. there's just all these hormones mm -hmm. that you're washing, uh, that are washing over you, and it affects your feeling about yourself um, in terms of your gender orientation your role it's not just like oh i feel like wearing dresses or mm -hmm. what have you it's a matter of going this is how i identify mm -hmm. and it happens from when kids are really young it's not just a matter of choosing mm -hmm. it's not a lifestyle it's how we come out you know it's like handedness or whether you have blue eyes or brown eyes and i think it's helpful sometimes to realize that there have been times in society where Things that were genetically predisposed, like are you right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. So there was a time in school that you would have been physically punished if you mm -hmm. wrote left-handed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That yeah. seems barbaric to us now, doesn't it? But at that time, people really believed that it was aberrant, that it needed to be punished out of somebody. So we're learning more about the genetics and the hormones that are related to how someone relates to their gender expression. Mm -hmm. I'm not an expert on it mm -hmm. by any means, mm -hmm. but I have learned that there's more to learn about it. And if you say to me, Milan, this is who I am and this is how I identify, I have no interest or right to tell you that you're wrong. You know, I, I just yeah. don't. Well, there's a difference between, I, I believe there's a little difference between telling somebody that, oh, you're wrong about how you feel yeah. And condoning that, oh. depending on the age, right? If I tell you as a 40-year-old man, this is how I identify, this is me, yeah. it means something else than when a 5, 6, 8, 10-year-old tells you that. Yeah. Don't you, don't it you think? It does. I mean, I've, have you do you have any family members who are trans? No. I do. Yeah, no, you mentioned. And it was yeah. like... No, that was in school. Okay. Um, and yeah. then I have some family members who are trans or gender non-binary. Yeah. And I, I had to be humble. I thought about you referred it. to one of your children as them. I did. Yeah. That's gender non-binary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, I, I have to respect that. Yeah. When and was that though? When did when did that well, kind of they tell realization? Me that for them, it started happening when they were around ten. Ten. But they sort of began to live into it when they were in their teens. Mm -hmm. I yeah, I don't debate that. That this is yeah. a, this is definitely something that people go through and, and experience. Yeah. Well, and I think it's more of a spirit thing than it is a religious thing. Mm -hmm. I just I I don't think it's Jesus didn't spend any time at all talking about that, and mm -hmm. it existed then too. Yeah. Right. Um, the only story about it is the eunuch that came um, to Paul and asked to be told about the scriptures, and then they got out of this carriage and they were baptized. Mm -hmm. That's the only story that I know that's like that. Yeah. And it and they weren't punished; they weren't condemned. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. so just getting back yeah, <laughs> before yeah, yeah. I get run out of town yeah, on a rail. For sure. um, <laughs> What I believe that then diagram between religion and spirituality is love mm -hmm. and acceptance 
and inclusion yeah. and human dignity, right? And also respecting and uh, caring for creation, all of creation. When we're baptized, we our baptismal covenant, our promise, includes promises like, I will respect the dignity of every human being. I will, um, I will love others as myself. I will, you know, so those are the promises that we make. I will um, respect creation and be a good steward for the integrity of creation. Yeah. So those are promises we make along with saying that I believe in the Trinity, I believe in one baptism, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's to me what's important to focus on. I think the other things are divisive. I think they're important to talk about honestly. Um, my eldest stepdaughter um, is a teacher in the Unitarian Church in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. The Unitarian Church for years has had this great curriculum called Our Whole Lives or OWL. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they have a curriculum uh, for children, for teens, uh -oh, what happened there? Mm -hmm. Adults and also for seniors, yeah. which I think that's interesting. You know, sometimes I'll have seniors that'll get really worked up about sexual orientation yeah and i think to myself you know it's a lot for them when they grew up i mean they didn't even talk about their own deal let alone someone else's deal so in this curriculum they're able to to talk about it um in terms of science in terms of culture and just really have an open discussion about it and i think that's important but i don't necessarily think it's part of religion i mean i don't have a right to tell you who you're supposed to be. Now, mm -hmm. if you start beating up somebody or denying someone their human rights or um, killing the planet, I am morally obligated to stand in the way of that. Yeah. Um, we do justice. There's mm -hmm. a, a passage in the prophet Micah, what does the Lord require of you? To love God, to walk humbly, and to do justice. Mm -hmm. That's what's required. Those are the things that I try to focus on. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I don't know all the answers, you know, at all. And I think the people that think they do have all the answers, they really make me nervous. Because okay. a lot of the people that have done some really stinko things in mm -hmm. history are people that thought they knew the answer. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I don't know the answer. When you say do justice, is that talking about divine justice divine no. law what kind justice of justice is talking about making sure that everyone has well-being that everyone has human rights and human dignity right yeah the word righteous mm -hmm. in hebrew it really doesn't mean like you know self-righteous like perfect it really means to be in good relationship like conscientious would you say mm, yes. similar and sort of conscientious is to be in right relationship with god and your neighbor mm -hmm. so not to be a jerk yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you can say all your prayers and everything, and then be a jerk to your neighbor. Just be a good person. Yeah, that's not quite. It. Yeah, mm -hmm. doing doing your best, right? To, to be a good person. Do you think that good feeling of good and the knowledge of what's good is inherent to humans? Yes. Or is it? Is it? Yeah. I believe it is. Is that part of the Holy Spirit? I think it in is. Us? I think that's how we're created with that spirit in us. Mm -hmm. I think things happen to us. I think. Um, People get hurt. There's so much trauma in the world right now. And I'm so glad. That's why So my doctorate is in counseling, because I was really interested in what we can do to help people heal from trauma, mm -hmm. whether it's PTSD, from serving in the military, um, from homelessness, um, from addictions, which are also a disease, from domestic violence, from being oppressed in some way because of your race or because of your gender. All those things cause trauma yeah. and how do we heal that and if someone doesn't have a chance to heal they often perpetrate trauma on other people yeah i mean a wound what is that hurt people hurt people yeah so um i actually just read on a because I, I was kind of reading about you a little bit and then oh. I, I went to the diocese website and then there was this uh article about uh the reconciliation yeah, and then the truth and reconciliation. yeah and then the, the the end of it was talking about 
how to end that trauma, that generational, generational is for the young generation to take responsibility for their father's sins so that it's not passed on later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, partially. Yeah. I think that's partially true. I mean, I think that with the generational trauma in terms of indigenous persons, mm -hmm. what I'm learning, and it's different here than it was when I lived in Alaska, it was different tribes and a different history. Yeah. But here, the residential schools are a huge part of the history, just down the road, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so there's storytelling that's important. So the elders having the courage and the trust to tell their stories of what happened. And then the next generation has the responsibility to honor those stories and to work and be active so that those things don't happen again. So it's kind of both, I think. Mm -hmm. There's um, a term in Korean uh, culture and theology. Uh, the word for sin is Han. And the word for mending that is zhang. And han is a brokenness or a wound that happens. Mm -hmm. And zhang is healing that wound so that it doesn't continue on. Mm -hmm. So domestic violence is a good example mm -hmm. of that. You can grow up in a household where there's domestic violence, usually perpetrated by men onto women. Mm -hmm. And then that daughter of that family will grow up and likely marry an abuser as well. And it'll continue on until someone Whoa, that's a really loud chair. So that's yeah. a symbol of pain. Um, so Apologies for the noise, <laughs> listeners. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. We're in the world with yeah. other humans. Yes. But um, when that wound doesn't get healed, it gets passed on psychologically and emotionally from generation to generation until someone's able to build a bridge and heal that mm -hmm. and say, this was abuse and then begin to heal it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's true for religion, too, just getting back to that. But yeah, um, yeah. for a lot of people, a lot of people have been harmed by religion, a lot. Mm -hmm. That's why I only have 40 people that mm -hmm. are in my church on a Sunday. You think that's why this seems to be less religious or spiritual people around? Yeah. I don't know. Well, the West Coast, especially when I was in Seattle, it's called the land of the nuns and n-o-n-e-s um i think that people who came out here were looking for a different way to be and um and the church has done some stinko things mm -hmm. I mean, not just the spanish inquisition but other things yeah. right yeah and colonizing we we're finally waking up to the fact that that has not been great and the church was a part of that mm -hmm. so how do we save sorry how do we make up for that? How do we, as a church, and we are, my particular community and the faith leaders that I work with in Seashell, the other Anglican leader, mm -hmm. and the Lutheran pastor um, at uh, Holy Faith Lutheran, we're all very interested in working with the Truth and Reconciliation Movement, and how do we make it a safe place to be? Mm -hmm. So if I want any message to go out there with mm -hmm. this, is I want people to know that at St. Bart's, mm -hmm. where it's a safe place, it's a safe space. Yeah. People often say, we're so welcoming, mm -hmm. but in parentheses and small talk, it says, as long as you act exactly like us. Yeah. yeah. Um, my professor, who was a um, uh, Filipino Franciscan, Father Cruz used to say, whenever someone joins a group, that group has changed forever. Mm -hmm. And we need to be willing to let that happen. Right. So if you were to come and your family to St. Bart's mm -hmm. and invest in that with your time and your gifts, it would change us. Right. We'd be different. And we need to be willing to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and it needs to be a safe space where someone can say, I've been hurt before. Um, you know, I had... You know, I don't know what your history is, and I do not want you to share it right now. Mm -hmm. But it's possible that there are things that, that you encountered in the past that really hurt you. Yeah. And then you walked away from it. And good for you. That happened to me, too. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, I found a safe space in the Episcopal Anglican Church. And I'm just so honored to be a priest of that tradition and to now make a safe space at St. Bart's for people to come. I say, I don't know all the answers, 
but I'm really willing to talk about the questions right. with you. Right. So is there um, room, maybe it's not a good word. Um, I associate religious church churches, uh, big churches particularly, to be a quite tightly bound with political views. Is mm. that the case for any church? No. no. I mean, so let me just say a little something about this. So yeah. in the United States, you know, separation of church and state, mm -hmm. what that literally meant was I was not allowed to stand in my pulpit and campaign for a particular candidate or party. Mm -hmm. I would lose my nonprofit status as yeah. a church. That's what it meant. If there's a piece of legislation, like there is a piece of legislation right now in BC that's being considered to promote and protect ecosystems um, in forests, that's going to be up for public comment, and I'm going to let everybody know that they can make public comments on that because I think it would be a really good thing for the environment. Yeah. So that's different than being political. I'm not telling you who I support. I'm not saying vote. You know anything like that. What is that? What is that role that you you have the with the climate? Yeah, Minister uh, of climate, climate Justice. Justice. Uh -huh. What does that mean? I think it means I should get a cape for one thing, but what it really means is that I'm working with a team. I have the Climate Emergency Working Team, or CUTE. Mm -hmm. And we um, are working with people throughout the diocese. We have 63 churches in the diocese. Um, for a little while, we were giving some mini grants to people, and we're administering those. That's over. Now we're working on a project we call Zero by 30. We're mm -hmm. trying to go work with all the churches to eliminate their greenhouse gas emissions by mm -hmm. 2030. Mm -hmm ambitious and necessary right. and also inspiring people and giving them information just before i came down here i yeah. was on zoom with a group of um retired guys in coquitlam and they were um, wanting to know more of what i did and what we're doing i told them join our team sign up to the newsletter you know advocate with your local so don't, don't you find this as a political action in a sense well, you're talking to a feminist, so you know when people go, it's not personal, it's political. The personal and the political are the same. I don't know, if you're part of a minority, public action is important, it's part of justice. And Jesus did that, right? He went into the temple and flipped over those tables, didn't he? Mm -hmm. He didn't just, I, someone came to me once and was Mother Choice. I get I, I love what we're doing, but I get confused because I thought that it was just supposed to be about love and comfort. And I go, well, I get that. I, I can see that. I said, I have a question for you. If Jesus was just about love and hugs and ponies and unicorns, why did they kill him? Mm -hmm. Well, because he was political. That's mm -hmm. why. Because he stood against the Roman Empire, because he stood against the religious leaders of the day and said, knock it off. He was bringing something that was threatening the current yes. status, narrative, or That's whatever right. you want to call it. And Rome killed him for it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, so I, I don't view that as being political. Well, it's, it's a very divisive action. subject, right? The environment and the climate action and the climate change. I guess it's, so. It's something that's not being discussed. In, uh, you know, there's definitely the certain narrative being uh, put out by the government of Canada or the United States, you know, the, the Western governments. And there is counter-narratives that are being completely ignored, right? So when you say justice, for example, that's, say, working towards climate... Uh, what's the word again that's in the title? Climate... Justice. Oh, justice is the word, okay. Yeah. So when we say working for climate justice, it assumes certain truth to it. Yeah. Right. Well, it is scientifically true. It's yeah. a fact. It's debatable. I'd say there's a lot of research that you can find that shows two different perspectives on both sides. Right? And I'm not saying I'm subscribing to any of them. I'm just the observer. That's how I see myself. Right. But not you from know. reliable scientific sources. Yeah, reliable scientific sources. I, yeah, we're going to have to disagree yeah. on that, but yeah, we'll have another sure. cup of coffee. Yeah. But the fact is, I mean, I have friends that live in the Arctic, for example, mm -hmm. 
I even living in Juneau, which is the southeast Alaska, I watched in 15 years the um, the glaciers melting mm -hmm. substantially. It's impacting. I mean, we saw it here. Were you here when we had the um, heat dome? Mm, like a couple of years ago. Yeah. 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 Fish died mm -hmm. right out here where we're looking. Mm -hmm. um, it's really happening. Books by Seth Klein, Naomi Klein. There, there's there's a lot of information out there, scientific evidence around the world. I mean, it's it's something that's been addressed by world conferences. Yeah. The people that don't want to believe in it are the what makes it hard. Here's what I believe makes mm -hmm. it difficult: economics. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where everything comes down to in a way, right? Um, people are making a ton of money on fossil fuels, so much money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was talking today to this group of fellows in Coquitlam about the theology behind all this, right? Mm -hmm. So in the book of Genesis, as we mentioned, there are two different creation stories. In one of the creation stories, the word in Hebrew is dominate, that we will have dominion over the earth and the creatures. In the other version, the word is caretaking. We will take care of the earth and mm -hmm. the creatures. So we've done mostly, in uh, up till now, our modern world, a lot of dominating. We have plundered the resources of the world, mm -hmm. and it has really put the world out of balance. Remember we talked about righteous meant in balance. Our world is out of balance in terms of natural resources, in terms of the quality of our air, in terms of the quality of our water, our temperatures. And if the, the world increases to like by 2.5 degrees, it's going to be past the point of no return. So now is why it's a huge issue. It needs to be talked about more, but it isn't being talked about because a lot of people have a lot of, um, uh, not just political, but economic interests in keeping things the way they are. And not just for us, but for our children and their children and their children. Um, mm. It may not happen in my lifetime. It might happen in your lifetime. It will certainly happen in my daughter's lifetime. Mm. So, you know, this isn't just important for me or our diocese. It's the worldwide Anglican Communion. Whole global Anglican Church may not agree on all the other stuff we talked about, but they agree on this. Mm -hmm. And so we're working here on preservation of old growth forests and those ecosystems, trying to find ways. I, it was so funny when I came here to be Canadian, one of the big things I had to learn was that hydro was not my water bill, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, so hydro yeah. <laughs> isn't yeah. included, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. No, it's not included. Just your. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, got you. Yeah. Um, but getting onto clean and uh, renewable resources, mm -hmm. and that's going to take a huge shift for countries and for economies. I don't have the answer. I know people are scared. I know that sometimes they just want to feel less overwhelmed and less kind of existential dread about it. And what I've been trying to say is, you know, identify steps that you can make and make them and then evangelize mm -hmm. you know, talk to other people about it, about mm -hmm. caring for the earth, about caring for old growth forests, about, you know, those things. And that's part of our baptismal promise. In the, in the Anglican Church. Yeah. And it doesn't matter to me who's in power. It, what matters to me is that, that all beings have this dignity and integrity afforded to them. Mm -hmm. And that's just not human beings, but animals and trees and fish and mm -hmm. the whole world. Yeah. Directly, maybe, or indirectly, too. What did you say? You know, if you say that it doesn't matter who's in power, I appreciate it, and you're just trying to do the right thing, right? But I would ask a question, when was the position that you took on created? Right? When, when the, was that position created? Which position? The position of, a, of the Minister of Climate Justice. I'll tell you. Yeah. That position got created two years. We have something called Synod, which is like our convention. Mm -hmm. 
and not the last one, but so four years ago. Four years ago. The whole body, which meant the whole diocese, mm -hmm. voted on this um, initiative to create um, this position and to create grants to support mm -hmm. different projects and to call for a recognition of climate emergency. Mm -hmm. So that's how it was created. Right. And so fairly recent, right? It is fairly recent. Seems like it does fall into the same path as the political movement that's what the government are doing now based on the science. I don't think that. it's, uh, well, I don't know about that. I mean, as far as what I can see, we just got done. So there's a group, it's part of the David Suzuki Foundation that mm -hmm. we work with, the BC Climate Emergency uh, Unit. Mm -hmm. And they every year issue a report card to the government and they just issued a new one and let me tell you they didn't get good grades mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. they're, they're not responding mm. uh, enough or fast enough to the goals that we have and um so i do believe mm -hmm. that that's part of my christian responsibility um i don't know if have you ever studied ethics of different kinds yes. yeah yeah philosophers yeah so, yeah yeah mm -hmm. so i part of my seminary studies were it's okay um, so you're asking me what I thought were the societal mm -hmm. uh, problems or societal ills and uh, discrimination, bigotry. We see that right now playing out in the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, and violence. Violent means um, colonizing. That's still part of it. What's going on in the world? Yeah, slavery has not been ever bigger than it is today. What's that? I mean, slavery is, has never been bigger than it is in today's world. Well, yeah, human yeah. trafficking is yeah. big. I mean, it's it's different. Chattel slavery in the United States, well, in the world, was yeah. it's a different thing. But you don't. But and I mean, it does. Yeah. You can make the discussion about human traffic being like chattel slavery. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that though, and I do believe that the environment is part of all that, right? So, for example, globally. The People who are most impacted by climate change are people who are have brown skin and have very little money, and oftentimes women and children. That's mm -hmm. statistically true. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that those and those social ills come out of that very simple thing of loving our neighbor. Do we love our neighbor, right? Um, or are we just concerned with our own wealth and our own well-being? Believing, I believe that as we help everyone, we do help ourselves, right? Um, but that's not what everyone believes. Um, and different countries have different political systems, and um, it's way beyond what I am an expert in in any way. Um, I don't like to see children who have no place to live or have nothing to eat. That's wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's much more of a problem than who marries who or any of that, really, truthfully. Um, I think that if we would just get over <laughs> puritanical fears and just focus on what are really the evils, which are people that aren't able to, people need to be able to have a place to live and something to eat and uh, a useful um, existence in the world. Mm -hmm. um, that's what we could all focus on. And guess what? We could fix it. If we really all focused on that, then yeah. we could fix it. Totally. So I think those problems have been here for a while. I think deconstruction, I think, well, again, all these are my opinions, right? Yeah. I am not speaking for Richard John or the rest of the outfit. Yeah. But what I have observed is that during the pandemic, we got to see in really stark ways the inadequacy of some of our institutions mm -hmm. and the inequalities in the world. So, for example, my husband is a teacher, and at that time we're in the Seattle area, and he worked for a pod of students, this, these three families that lived in a more wealthy neighborhood in Seattle. And they were able, they were online, but then he was their tutor because yeah. they could afford that. Yeah. And then in other schools where he was working, you know, kids home maybe they had one computer for the whole family and they had no one at home with them because their parents were working mm -hmm. and their achievement gap got bigger and bigger over the last um during the pandemic 
So I think that deconstruction is inevitable because we have seen, you know, over the fence, right? Mm -hmm. And seen how things are. And so deconstruction is uncomfortable, so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I went to seminary, oh my gosh, I had my faith taken all apart. No one likes it. But you know, it made me clearer and stronger. And it, believe me, I pushed back on my professors too, right? Mm -hmm. I, I was a problem child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, but I think that can be a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I believe that we have what we need to solve these problems. If we were able to focus on loving one another, um, St. Bart's is a tiny church, right? We operate a uh, food bank once a month and a, a free lunch program once a month. Yeah. And serve hundreds of people out of our little tiny church. Yeah. You know, that's one of the reasons I took the job because I was like, wow, look at how much faith you have. Look at what you're doing with just a very little, mm -hmm. um, you know. I believe that when we work with that spirit that we talked about, mm -hmm. we can accomplish infinitely far more than we can ask or imagine. Yeah. yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Before I was a priest, I was a theater artist and a singer, right? I used to produce operas and sing in operas, which, I mean, that's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you'd get an idea for a project and you'd be like... I kind of want to ask you for a sample. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, right here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, but you know, it's like, okay, we're going to take magic flute up to the Arctic. Yeah. And that sounds crazy, right? How are we going to do that? Mm -hmm. um, well, I don't know yet, but it'll happen. We'll figure it out. In yeah. the black church, there's an expression that God makes a way out of no way. Right. Makes a way out of no way. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. And I've seen it happen over and over and over again. And so um, I get scared just like anybody else. Yeah. And in my life, I've seen amazing things happen. I've seen crappy things happen too, but I've seen amazing things happen. And so I'm trying to work toward that. Yeah. Okay. And I wish you success with all that. Thank you, Milan. And I'm trying to do the same. Thank you for talking to me. Yeah. And you are making a difference. This conversation is making a difference, right? Thank you. It matters. Yeah. yeah. And come visit us sometime. I am. I am intending to. You'll have a sure. good time. I promise. We uh, well, I I unofficially call it, and my family uh, we're gonna do something I call loosely a uh, church hopping. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And expose ourselves to all different ways of how people. I think that's you know, a great way to them. do it. Yeah. 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 I okay. I invite you to do that. I would okay. love to. How old are your kids again? Five, seven, ten. Oh my gosh, mm -hmm. that's the most fun. We mm -hmm. will have a gas. Yeah. Thanks Thank for talking you. to me. Thank you, Mila. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please spare a moment and go to Spotify and rate my show. Also, if you have any feedback and thoughts, please share it with me. I always do appreciate when my listeners reach out. Thanks so much.